So good to be with you this morning and uh, to worship together. We're glad that you have tuned in. And uh, uh, we also want to give you... uh, uh, a reminder and, and uh, a thanks for the ways that you continue to support this ministry through tithes and offerings. There are many ways for you to give and uh, they are listed here. And uh, so I want to thank you for uh, those who have been able to give for your generosity. Uh, you continue to be faithful and uh, your uh, gifts are uh, blessing so many. Uh, We've had some great stories um, that we'll be sharing with you, I'm sure, in the months to come. Uh, One that just happened fairly recently, uh, a couple uh, was planning a vacation for this summer, and of course, because of this uh, virus, were unable to take their vacation. And so instead, the money that they were going to spend on their vacation, they uh, donated to to, uh, the church. Uh, that we could continue our ministry here. Those are the kinds of uh, ways that people are blessing. We know that not everybody is able to give because of job loss and furloughs and so forth. And uh, so we're here for you and want you to know that as well. But if you're able to give, uh, there are opportunities for you to do so. And we give you thanks for that. So uh, We are uh, in this new series, uh, Red Letters. Um, It is the teachings of Jesus. And uh, so over the weeks that we've been doing this online, Rick and I, uh, Pastor Rick and I have been sharing the message, kind of going back and forth in the midst of the message. We're going to do it a little bit differently this morning. Um, Pastor Rick is going to do the first half of the message. We're going to throw it over to Pastor Steve for a song. Then I'm going to do the second half of the message. And at the end of the message, uh, don't click us off too quickly. We have an announcement that we want to share with you all um, about the summer. So stay tuned. Yeah, so good morning. Good to see you all this morning. And so uh, before we get into uh, the red letters of Jesus, the the words that Jesus spoke and and this morning's scripture, uh, there's two important things that I think it's that we need to understand before we read his statement. So the first one is that first century Jews, for, for a first century Jew, religion was a thing of endless rules. There were over 600 commandments, which uh, a religious, religious, religiously Jewish person would follow. And in addition to those 600 commands, there were thousands of rules and regulations that they had to follow in addition to those commandments. Now, the reason that those rules and regulations were added is that they were so concerned for breaking, uh, that they might break a commandment, that they added extra boundaries and extra hurdles to protect themselves. So, for instance, if the commandment was, no, the speed limit was 45, they were so concerned for breaking that commandment of speeding over 45 miles per hour that they would have added extra rules and regulations. So they would have said, well, you never go over 35 on certain days and over 40 on other days. They would have added additional ideas and uh, regulations just to keep from breaking a commandment. And so they were desperately trying to find God. It was all intended intended well. They wanted to find God. They were trying to be good. But in adding all these extra regulations and rules, they had just instead created despair and weariness because it was an impossibility to keep. But they were a deeply religious people who 
though, followed this religion with endless rules. So that's important for us to know. The second thing that's important to know is that in the first century, farming was the center of all culture, which is why Jesus often told stories and he used agrarian illustrations, used farming illustrations. And what we're about to read this morning is one of those. He uses the word yoke. Now, a yoke you may be familiar with, although in New Jersey, and uh, we don't necessarily use a yoke very often, if ever, I've never used one. But if a farmer wanted two animals to work together, you would match them together in a, in a yoke. It was a harness that went over the, the animal's head and onto its shoulders and chest, and it was made of uh, wood in the first century. A farmer would take a pair of oxen, if, if that's what was going to be pulling his plow, uh, he would take a, a, set, a pair of oxen, they were adult uh, uh, animals, and take them to a carpenter, and a carpenter would then take measurements of its chest and shoulders of each animal, and then fashion the yoke so that it was custom-made or tailor-made just for that animal. And so when Jesus is talking about a yoke, we're about to read in just a moment, that was one of the images that would come to these folks who were hearing this, that, that this was a custom-made, custom-fit uh, piece of equipment so that the two animals could walk side-by-side side and Together, they could do more than they could do alone. Now, because this was a deeply agrarian culture, the word yoke also took on another meaning, and it had a religious meaning. Again, they were deeply religious, and they were an agrarian culture. And so the word yoke took on an additional meaning in the first century. When a rabbi was inviting students or disciples to learn and practice the, the interpretation of the Old Testament, remember the 600 laws, the Torah, they would say, would you like to, I think you could take the yoke of Torah on you. In other words, he would say to a student, I think you have what it takes to do what I do. Would you come alongside of me? and take this yoke. It was sometimes called the yoke of Torah, or it was also called the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. And the idea is that I think you can follow the way that I live the Torah, and you can follow it beside me. So disciples would agree to take on this yoke. They would agree to come alongside a rabbi. So just like two animals would be bound together, by taking on the yoke of the rabbi, by taking on the yoke of Torah, you were saying, I want to be just like the rabbi. And so the disciple then, it became their deepest desire to follow this rabbi as closely as possible. They would begin to, so that they would begin to think like the rabbi. They would begin to practice the things that the rabbi practiced. And a, a disciple would follow a rabbi everywhere, in every way, always walking together, because the student never knew when a lesson might be available to be learned. And so he would rarely leave his rabbi's side, because you never knew when a teachable moment might come up. And so they would watch the rabbi's every move. They would note how the rabbi acted in different circumstances, and they'd always watch to see what the rabbi was thinking in each situation, because the disciple's desire was to be alongside the rabbi so that the disciple could become just like the rabbi. And so you would agree to take on the yoke. So Jesus then tells these, uh, makes this statement. It's going to be up on the screen. He says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. How might that feel to this religious community that, that is desperately trying to follow all these rules and regulations so that they could be close to God? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you. 
Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And Jesus tells his, uh, uh, tells his disciples, hey, this yoke is easy. Now, the word translated easy is actually uh, a better translated well-fitting. And it's, it's, he's saying, How, uh, I, have, I have a way to move closer to God. I have, a, I have a way that involves humility, and it involves a gentleness of heart. And you will find rest if you can come alongside me and learn a lifestyle that is custom-made just for you. Now remember I said how a yoke is custom built for a farm animal? This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying that there is a way that is custom built just for you. Now we don't use yokes in the 21st century and we don't have 600 laws that we practice and our 21st century mind is not a religious filled mind. It, but I would say that our 21st century mind is just as burdensome. See, we have this need to fill every moment, to work harder, to work longer, that we believe that busy equals success, and busy equals accomplishment, and busy equals value. And so our busyness determines our value. And here we are in this socially distanced, sheltering moment where it feels like a pause button has been pushed. And the downtime can become uncomfortable for some of us. And we feel like the only thing left to do is binge TV and worry about what will happen next. And if I can't work and if I can't do, then my value is being diminished. What if Jesus' red letter statement was offering another way to live this life? Not rule-filled and not a busy life, not a work-harder-to-achieve-value life, but what if Jesus is describing this life? He said this, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying lifestyle. What if there's a way to lead a rich and satisfying life? Not rule-filled, not more work to achieve, more value, but what if there is rest and what if it can be burden-free? And what if it can be full? Now, there's no one formula for following the lifestyle of Jesus. Remember, the yoke is custom-fit for each animal. It's custom-fit for each person. If someone suggests to you that there is one way to do this, beware of that person. Here at Hope, we talk about it as being a pathway. We talk about it as a journey. We talk about it as a process. We talk about it as a relationship. And I think part of the challenge this morning is after this COVID experience is in our rearview mirror, and it will be, many will suggest that you should go back to your old lifestyle. Just go back to earning. Just go back to being busy. Just go back to proving your value. What if the red letter words of Jesus are inviting us to a new and different way? Inviting us to come alongside of Jesus and leading you and I to a rich and satisfying life. All right, so let's stop yoking around and uh, let's talk about what practically is Jesus asking of us. What does Jesus require of you? It's a great question, and I'm, I'm hearing, I can feel some of the response coming back at me. Um, some of you saying, 
I, I have no idea what that even means. I don't know where to begin to think about that. Others of you are saying, that's a great question. I've been asking that of the Lord for years, and he hasn't been answering me. The idea here is that Jesus doesn't give us a roadmap. If you're waiting for a Google Maps where it's a turn by turn, here's what God is going to have you do, here's the destination he's going to have you arrive at, um, that's not the way it works. Other than to say, as, as uh, Rick has pointed out, that the destination is a fulfilling meaningful, significant life, an abundant life. Jesus came to give us an abundant life. So that's where he's taking us, a life of abundance and an eternal life. But in terms of what that's going to look like day to day, it's not a roadmap, it's a walk. When Jesus invited his disciples to come with him, he said, follow me. He didn't say, here's the three-year plan, and here's what year one and year two and year three are going to look like. He simply said, follow me. Watch what I do. Listen to what I say. See who I am. Follow me. And so that's the call. That's the challenge for us as we seek to follow him. It's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment walk. And then to listen for him in the course of that day for what he would have us to do, where he would have us to go, to deal with the challenges of life because life is challenging. Life has always been hard. And what Jesus is promising us is not an easy life, not a burden-free life, but he says that my yoke will lighten the burden. That's what he wants to do. And so how do we do that? How do we walk and listen to Jesus um, in meaningful ways? And that's uh, what brings, and that brings us to the idea of spiritual disciplines, that we are called to be a people who have these spiritual disciplines in our lives that allow us to listen uh, to Jesus. So what's a, what's a discipline, first of all? Uh, the best definition I've heard of for a discipline is a discipline is an investment now for some future benefit. It's an investment now for some future benefit. And we have disciplines in our lives, throughout our lives. I had an interesting uh, thing that happened recently uh, that took me all the way back to when I was a teenager. So when I was 16, 17 years old, uh, in high school, I was on the wrestling team. And our wrestling coach taught us moves that he would drill into us. And every practice, uh, we would have these certain drills that we would do over and over and over. One of them was, if your opponent ends up behind you, you're both standing up, your opponent ends up behind you and is tripping you to take you down to the mat, as you're falling, you want to clamp down on his arm and roll so that you can twist your body around and end up on top. And we would do that drill, that exercise, every single practice for two years. Fast forward to a few weeks ago. I was out for a walk and uh, just walking along and didn't see that there was an uneven portion of the sidewalk. I caught my toe on the sidewalk and I began to fall. And just instinctively, I pulled in, rolled on my shoulder, rolled all the way around and up on my feet without losing stride. Impressive. I looked around to make sure nobody saw me because that was really embarrassing. 
But as I was kept walking, I thought, where did that come from? And then remembered this discipline that I had had as a teenager. It's an investment now for some future benefit. I was learning how to fall, apparently. Uh, so our spiritual disciplines, it's an investment now in something that God wants to do. Now, one of the problems with the spiritual discipline is we begin to think that just like the, uh, the uh, uh, Pharisees and religious leaders of old, that it's the discipline that's the thing. So I have to work really hard on these disciplines and I've got to have these things in my life and a checklist and I've got to do it every day and once a week and all of these kinds of things. It's not that at all. It really is a process of being with the Lord of opening yourself up to listen to what the Lord has to say. Stephen uh, Foster, not Stephen Foster, Richard Foster, we were teasing about that at the beginning of the service. It's not Stephen, it's Richard Foster. <laughs> wrote a classic book called The Celebration of Discipline. And in it, he defines a spiritual discipline in a way that um, I think really kind of captures what the nature of uh, these disciplines are about. It says this, the disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. God has ordained the disciplines of the spiritual life as the means by which we place ourselves where he can bless us. So a discipline is really yoking yourself with Jesus, walking along Jesus in a way that we can hear from Jesus. So it's not, it's not anything more than that. It's not that these are rules to be followed and, uh, and that kind of thing. It really is putting yourself in a position to hear from God and to be grown uh, by God. So in this season that we are in, this is a great time. So if, if you're a person that doesn't have spiritual disciplines in your life, first of all, I want to tell you that you probably do. If you're listening to this online service, if you're participating, you are practicing the discipline of worship, corporate worship. That's a spiritual discipline. So by doing that, you are already putting yourself in a position where you can hear from God. So that's one discipline. There are a whole series of spiritual disciplines. I don't know that there's a official or exhaustive list, but there are lists of spiritual disciplines. Among them, uh, Bible reading, prayer, fasting, Sabbath, um, tithing, um, solitude. These are all spiritual disciplines that put us in a place where we can hear from the Lord. So again, if this is something new to you, I really want to encourage you. You've already started. You have worship, corporate worship, as a discipline. Keep that up. But you can add. And if, you're, if you don't have any other spiritual disciplines, what I would encourage you is to add two. So those two, for me, would be Bible reading and prayer. So I would set aside in your schedule 15 minutes a day Make it the same time every day. Put it in your schedule, 15 minutes, where you're going to read some scripture. And again, if you are not used to reading the Bible, I would start in one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Just read a little bit of that and then spend some time talking to God. That's all the prayer is, talking to God. 
15 minutes a day. And what you're going to find is that time becomes really valuable to you and you'll probably begin to expand that time uh, as you go forward. If you are a person who practices spiritual disciplines, our challenge becomes a little bit different. We have to change it up so that it doesn't become just rote, it doesn't become just um, a, a rut that we find ourselves in, a spiritual kind of rut. So we need to find ways to change up those disciplines. The times that uh, sometimes, the ways that we do it. Um, so for me, for example, prayer. Sometimes um, I need to pray silently and just be quiet before the Lord. Sometimes I need to pray out loud so I can hear my own voice uh, speaking to God. Sometimes I need to write out my prayers. Um, so those are some ways that I change up the prayer discipline. Uh, scripture. Recently I started, instead of reading the scriptures, I listened to them. On my Bible app, there's a function where um, the, the scripture will be read out loud. And so I'm finding that I'm listening to the Bible and it's a new experience of uh, the spiritual discipline of scripture for me. It's bringing it alive for me again um, after decades of, uh, of being a Bible student. Some of these disciplines we do uh, alone, some we do together with other people, um, both are important. So the Apostle Paul, in describing this life of faith, this walk with Christ, wrote about it powerfully in his letter to the uh, church in Rome. In the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, uh, Paul wrote these two verses. And I want to read them uh, from the translation, the message, because I think the message um, just brings a new life to it. It's another thing in Bible reading is change the translation sometimes. Read a different translation. That brings new life to it. So listen to what Paul wrote. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing... What God has for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. That's the spiritual discipline right there. Fixing your attention on God and he'll change you from the inside out. Reading, uh, yeah, readily recognizing that he wants from you what he wants from you and quickly respond, uh, respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So let's pray together. So Lord, that is our prayer. That as we listen to you, as we put ourselves in places where we can hear from you, that you would continue to lead us, that you would continue to guide us, that you would continue to encourage us, that when the burdens feel heavy, 
that we place on your yoke that is light and fits so well. And we'll give you the thanks and the praise always and, and always in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So I um, wanted to uh, take just a couple of moments and share um, uh, an announcement or uh, yeah, just a status report, I guess, of where we are in terms of the summer. Now, we were going to be doing this next Sunday, but because of some circumstances that happened at the end of this week, uh, we decided it would be uh, wise to move this announcement to this week. Um, so as many of you know, um, at the end of the, uh, last week, uh, the president announced that, uh, that he sees the church as essential and, uh, and called for churches to be open. And uh, so we agree wholeheartedly that the church is essential. And that's why we have been open the whole time. Uh, you know, people have asked, you know, when are you going to reopen the church? Well, the church has never closed. We have worshipped every Sunday throughout this pandemic. We have had ongoing ministry for children, ongoing ministry for youth. Our small groups continue to meet. We, uh, uh, our food pantry is, is thriving. Um, we continue uh, to meet um, in this time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, uh, we've never stopped praying, even expanding our oh, yeah. prayer ministry. Over 160 people are currently on that prayer list. And if, uh, if you'd like to be added to our prayer team, you can email Heather Mandela at heather at meethope.org and our host can help you with that information. Uh, I believe Heather is even one of our hosts, so she can help you with that as well. Yep. Uh, and so we want to we increase that prayer team as well. Uh, for us here in New Jersey, the COVID-19 virus has had been particularly hard. Uh, over 150,000 confirmed cases in New Jersey. In Camden and Burlington counties where we live, there have been over 10,000 confirmed cases and over 500 deaths. But, but what is most disturbing with this virus is its impact on vulnerable populations. And so unfortunately, the things that we love most about being oh, in man. this building are yeah. among the most likely to spread the virus. I mean, large gatherings of people in close proximity is one of those things. And then other things that we do like handshaking and hugging and singing, and we like to see kids huddled together, playing together in right. groups. These are the things that we miss about being together, but these are also the same things that spread the virus. Yeah, the place is just not the same. So we're in the building um, these Sundays, and it's not yeah. the same place uh, without folks coming in. And, and I miss your faces. I miss the conversations that we're having, uh, that we would have on a regular basis, hearing your stories and laughing and all of that stuff. is We feel that loss for mm. sure. Um, but because of our desire to keep people healthy and safe, Mm -hmm. um, we're saying that we don't anticipate having uh, worship services in our building um, throughout the summer. So as, unless there's um, some significant changes uh, that the healthcare community uh, lets us know about, uh, we're wanting you to know that we anticipate um, that we'll be doing online uh, worship services uh, 
throughout the summer, so through the end of August, uh, we'll be worshiping in this way. Yeah, and some churches are opening, and some churches you'll hear about will be opening, yeah. but they're opening with very tight restrictions. So, for instance, there's a very limited number of people allowed in the building, or there's a percentage of the building capacity that they're following. There's temperature checks at the door. I've heard that some churches are instituting masks uh, for everybody. Uh, no kids ministry, because kids don't social distance very well. Yeah. Uh, no bathrooms uh, facilities because that's another difficulty and uh, the seating would be socially distanced and 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 so that those things are all different for us yeah you know out on our sign and on all of our literature and and really embodied in the DNA of this church is the phrase we welcome everyone we welcome everyone and so in order to meet together here in this space we couldn't honor that aspect of who we are. What we would be saying is that only a very limited number of people would be able to come, not including children, not including those who have respiratory issues, not including those who are older. In fact, I'm not sure I could come. <laughs> I didn't say that. Either. <laughs> um, and uh, that's not who we are. Mm. You know, we, that's not... Uh, what worship is about for us, to say that only the healthiest among us could be gathered here just doesn't feel mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. to me. And uh, so we will, however, you know, mm -hmm. having said that, we will, however, continue to remain open as we have this whole time. Mm -hmm. And so we've got some exciting things planned for the summer. The online campus uh, idea that Pastor Rick has been leading uh, we got some ideas for that. Yeah, we're going to continue worshiping every Sunday like we are, but we're also looking at the possibility of adding additional time slots. So not just having a 1030 worship time, but maybe having an earlier worship time or even a, a later worship time as well so that it'll fit into your schedules uh, depending on when you work or, or when other things are going on in life on weekends because that we know that happens. So stay tuned on that. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a modified VBS uh, that is being planned out. We have a modified um, arts program. Uh, Pastor Steve and the worship team are planning a couple of events uh, here at the church in the parking lot. <clears throat> so the first one is in July, so uh, stay tuned for that information. We're also talking about smaller gatherings in people's backyards uh, where we could socially distance and uh, do some worship together. Um, we're also talking about, uh, for those of you who have friends that you're comfortable inviting over, to have watch parties. So you can invite some friends uh, over to your place, have a watch party where you watch the, uh, uh, the service live. Um, and then maybe have a barbecue or something like that together. Yeah, our, our food pantry will continue to serve uh, yeah. the many families who are struggling and underprivileged. And that, that ministry has just exploded here and it's exciting to see. So, yeah, you know, I want you to know as the founding pastor of this church, I've been here uh, the whole run. I have never been more proud of this congregation than I have been in this season. Mm -hmm. The ways that you have stepped up uh, to be part of our prayer team, to be part of our care ministry, to be part of our food pantry ministry, to just reach out and, uh, and care for those folks around you that you know. Um, I've seen and heard those stories, and I am so blessed by them, humbled by them, and so proud uh, to be the pastor of this church. In closing on this, um, the founder of the Methodist Church, John Wesley, had three 
basic rules for Methodists. Do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. And I believe in this season, by the ways that we have been responding, that we are honoring all three of those rules. May God richly bless you and have a great week.